Your first question. What is your aspiration in life? Oh, my aspiration in life. Wow, that's, that's a great question. I wasn't expecting that question. What is my aspiration in life? Well, my aspiration in life would be... Sucking dick and cock. This is Vanity Projects with Laura and Charles. Are here to disturb the peace. If you want to talk to me, that's exactly what you're going to have to do. Talk to me. Watch the gay men get quiet. I'm not the editor. I'm not the editor. It's somebody else's job to edit this. So if I go off the rails, that's what is to edit it and make it make sense. I'm telling you about my experience. And if you don't like hearing it, then you should listen to Ram and Jackie Dick. If you don't like it, you should be listening to Shift with Lynn and Zoe. If you don't like it, you should be listening to the now defunct canceled Listen to one of those if you don't like it. Listen to a back episode. But if you're listening to this, you're going to get my whole experience. The hey, Dick one. I'm speaking. Back. And we're talking about London Fashion Week. <laughs> London Fashion Week. Can you believe? Um, we literally just got invited to London. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. <laughs> and I said, well, not you happening. got invited. <laughs> yeah, I, I got invited, but I didn't want you to be left out. <laughs> I would bring you to London, except... I wouldn't be brought. <laughs> ...that you hated it there. <laughs> I've never suffered um, this deeply in uh, my life. Look, I experienced a, a euphoria like no other in London. I, what were we saying on the weekend? I was Euphoria like, in that it was a... Uh, this a sort of dysphoria. Uh, uh, well, yes. Um, there was there was this moment where I was describing on the weekend. I don't remember when it was. I wish I could, you know, kind of omnisciently experience London Pride uh, as this kind of like um, as a kind of like omniscient force. <laughs> it and is an omniscient force. Specifically the the fiftieth the fiftieth um one. But anyway, we're talking about London Fashion Week. Yes. And um how do you feel about London? How do I feel about London? I don't know. I went a very long time ago. Mm, mm. And it was um perfectly okay for yeah. me. I'm sure I, s- I would love it there. I mean, there are some really wonderful bookstores I would like to go to. Yeah, London. they have they have a really rich world of um, small print press and independent publishing um, that really thrives in that city that I yeah. think is probably yeah. supported by, like, university and whatever. How do we and feel about... Oh, yeah, sorry. Well, obviously, I have a, a, a um, wealth of young fashion talent as well coming through yeah. CSM specifically. Yes, um, which is really weird because I don't really associate, like, the UK with being a particularly um, stylish place, but but it is, but it is, but it is in its in its own unique way, and I do think we see unique. that unique even, <laughs> even more than um, what we were kind of talking about with New York last week, because yeah. maybe it does have uh, something a bit centralized about it, which which I'll get into. Centralized St. Martin's. Well, 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 yeah, well, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, it's a crazy. I spent a, a, a good chunk of time there last year. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I also think about um, when one of my teachers said, uh, no, 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 that's not one of your keywords. Go read a Whitechapel book and come back to me. Hilarious. <laughs> and that keyword was? Uh, oh, it was 
existential. <laughs> we had the most existential weekend, didn't we, Laura? Oh my god. The most I can't, discursive I, and mm, psychosexual. It was psychosexual. It was well there was for me what had a great impact was the the kind of like rhetoric that we built, which was not dissimilar to the one that we've, you know, kind of um, uh, cultivated through this project, Vanity yes, Project. But, yes, but, oh, well, Vanity Project, of course. Of course, but but there was another element to the discursive practice that we uh, kind of enabled, I guess, on uh-huh. the weekend that, um, uh, that meant that we could channel an even more divine lyric uh-huh. by the force of... of um, I don't know what you want to call it. The divine it. creator? Well, yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, when we're talking about divine creators, um, we're not talking about ourselves, but we would like to remind you that um, if you are a f- listener of Vanity Project and an enjoyer of mm. this um, this podcast, we would uh, love to point you in the direction of our Patreon. Is this a paywalled one? I'm not sure. Let's see how okay. good it is. Yeah, because I was thinking we can believe this. I was thinking if it's paywall, then I'm willing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll believe that if this is if this is not paywall. But we will be moving to weekly, uh, fortnightly paywalled content because honestly, we can't keep giving it out for free. Mm-hmm. We are um, we are very busy, and this is a lot of work, mm-hmm. quite frankly, mm-hmm. and we love it. Of course, but of course, of course. And I, expensive. No, and I feel like I'm I'm the parent and I'm putting the parental controls on and I'm I'm giving you a kind parental of parental controls and also actually our child is malnourished. I'm weaponizing a kind of um, financial domination technique <laughs> and to my audience um, to the child I thought you meant. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna stop that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, if uh, if you would like to experience us financially dominating you it's a the door the 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 bar starts really low at three dollars and all you have to do is just go to patreon.com forward slash vanity underscore project james charles endorses us we endorse ourselves um please support vanity project if you can now (laughs) let's get this roaster cooking um so, first you sent me some lovely images um, from the Moa Lola show. Moa Lola. Um, now, what do we know about Moa Lola? I believe Moa Lola worked with Kanye in the whole, like, Yeezy mm, era mm. and is a British designer. Yeah, we're doing, like, um, kind of, like, urban and streetwear. Yeah. Um, it looks really good on the catwalk. and it's Moa Lola sort of came up with um, these really fantastic leather coats that had um, these uh, iridescent curvaceous bodies mm. painted I, I believe painted yeah. or airbrushed onto the onto mm. the um, which surfaces. made them look really like um, uh, artisanal in a way like yes, <laughs> yes. And, it, and emphasis on the anal yeah uh, and that seemed like a really kind of niche practice that's um, become maybe like a bit more commercial in, yeah, in ways. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean that because 
uh, these airbrush leather jackets, I believe, were like all one-offs. Yes. Um, it's also like obviously uh, tapping into her um, culture as a black person. With yes. Lots of like black people on the runway. And, yes. Um, this style of dressing, I don't know, shouldn't be analyzed without that in mind. For sure, for sure. Um, and the models are all hot. And the models are so hot, beaten but up. they are beaten up. Now, you sent me the style.com post, which mm. actually declared that Maulola watched, just like we did about a year and a half ago, mm. watched David Cronenberg's Crash. And Go back and listen to that episode. That was, that was a, was a fierce episode. episode. Yeah. Um, and was inspired to make a collection, um, which riffed on the ideas of the crash or, mm. um, or the collision or... Um, yeah, body body horror as a as a genre in cinema, but also like how that would look when translated sartorially. Mm. And the models, many of the models who are showing off their um, their pelvic region, their pelvis, are donning these like quite um, insane staples. Mm, they're uh, so good. At first, I thought they were a, like sort of C-section scars. Yeah. You said that they were what hysterectomy. Oh well, yeah, a C-section scar or hysterectomy. Yeah. I mean, they they actually try not to do this type of um, um, this type of incision anymore and prefer like a keyhole kind of surgery. Yes, because Laura <laughs> knows this because she is an ex-nurse. Um, <laughs> no word of a lie. <laughs> and. Um, so it's be- it's highly stylized to choose exactly. this kind of um, incision and, and um, wound to make, which is um, straight across um, the pelvis, as you said, straight yeah. across the the fupa. Um, the fupa. <laughs> and and it's like stapled so tightly together. Ooh. The staples are like these glimmering little um, little bits through the wound. Yeah, I'm looking at the one that um, I believe her name is Issa. She's this like fantastic very da- very um, gangly Asian model who I've been seeing since I was a young teenager. She's wearing this really, really um, petite mini skirt and right below her fupa scar with the staples is a zipper of the same um, length, parallel. It's beautiful. It's such a striking So you've image. got the like double incision, which is so crash because of totally because it's about like um, fingering. It's about fingering, and it's about the um, creating extra holes to fuck in. Yeah, and, extra holes, extra um, holes. And we were just joking about this like not so long ago with Bestie of the Pod Carmen and and um, and how many holes we all have. Hmm. Um, I who else was I thinking about holes with? So many holes to count. Um, somebody was saying, oh, I think in Roni as well, they were say- like one of them said she put a tampon up her butt. Oh my God, that was great. Bryn. Bryn said, yeah, because she just didn't know that she had a butthole, which I think is, <coughs> I know. Well, she didn't know it was a different hole. It might not and all be. all of a sudden, the, <gasps> I started to feel I, my panties I drop. This because I think it's a sort of, it's so playful and it's so um, suggestive because it's such an un, sort of inappropriate place to put totally. a zipper. It's non-functional. Like it's, it's non-functional. Like, it's adjacent to where a fly would be. And um, yeah, someone yesterday to me, like a trans person referred to their uterus as um, decorative. <laughs> That's yes. the kind of world that I'm taken into here where I'm wondering perhaps- Gender appropriations and, and the pronouns um, you know, um, don't forget to spay and neuter your 
your cats kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, and your models. It's also <laughs> funny to imagine like Issa of all people having a having an infant pulled out of her her tiny tiny little frame, and we'll get into the frames and the and the physiques. Um, of the models quite mm. soon, but mm. um, oh, before we stray away from the um incisions, yeah, yeah, talk um, to me. I had written a note that said C section platinum star. The like the I love that thing that people say that um, you know, if you're like gold star gay, but then you weren't even like born out of yes. a vagina, that you're like platinum star, which I am, and which congrats. And watch the game <laughs> and get one. <laughs> and I'm sorry, and um, also. Uh, crimes of the future in a beauty pageant where they were like mm. I forgot that they were like harvesting the organs for like uh, the mo- you know the most beautiful ones and um, there's a bit where Leia Zedo is like going down on Viggo Mortensen but like through yes. the scar on his belly or the open wound on his belly yes. transgender and, um, life and also the like is it Issa the like sweatiness of the hair mm. and the fucked up the like bruisedness of the makeup mm-hmm. um, took me to like the sweatiness of coming out of anesthetic and surgery which yes. makes you like totally you know you're so vulnerable in that in that room and what they do to you is like so insane that your body's like like in in deep crisis deep coming out crisis. of it very deep but yeah these oh and the there was a beautiful liberty what, what's her name liberty mckenna has a great fashion yeah no no this like um random girl with like a fashion instagram oh. um oh yes mc mckenna i don't know um has a beautiful fashion instagram account and point posted this beautiful close-up photo which i just think we should repost it for sure for sure <laughs> it's like close-up photo of um the one of the boys scars which is like right above his like trimmed pubes <laughs> and has like overlaid it on top of it's a, like an ismaya french post um overlaid it on the picture of the incredulity of St. Thomas, which is when St. Thomas is like fingering Jesus's open wounds because he doesn't believe that it's Jesus. So that's the way that Jesus proved and the that, that yes, it was him because he was stabbed in the side. So he fingers the wound. That's like the, the biblical story, which I think is so um, erotic, of course. So erotic. Yeah. If you would like to um, figure out if I'm Jesus, you can bring your fingers right over here. Um, because I have so many um, holes for you to put your fingers in. Um, this collection is so Cronenberg in so many ways, more so than just being obviously like a response to Crash. Um, yeah, it's it's wonderful. I also love that you know the male models also have this incision. Um, it's it's so hot. Yeah. Mm. Um, shall we move on to the Siamese aspect of the mm. collection, which I also felt, you know, <laughs> was in line with this idea of the body horror. Mm. Um, I was thinking a lot about these models that are standing side by side wearing, um, you know, at times connected outfits. Maybe their tops are connected, maybe their pants or whatever. Um, I'm going to pull up some other images as well. This I've one I'm looking at is Look 44, and it's like a black model and a white model in the one T-shirt that says Four Slim People. And Incredible. And I believe it's a reference to, like, a Karl Lagerfeld yes. T-shirt. Yes, so the way that I encountered this reference was that actually people were very upset on Twitter that Moa Lola had um, 
declared her garments to be for slim people, um, and she responded, claiming that, you know, this is actually a direct reference to a Karl Lagerfeld uh, tank top, which Mm. said the same words, but actually had Karl um, prostrated over the... um, the number four. Prostrated. Prostrated. And now it's actually Moalola and she's got her back arched up and her leg <laughs> she's so cocked hot. behind her doing a sort of <laughs> arabesque. Um, or, yeah, I guess I could call it that. I don't know what to call it. But she's wearing these, you know, fuckity-uppity heels and um, she's she's making the number four in a very vanity project kind of way. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, Moalola got into it with all these people on Twitter fighting about collection and how it was maybe you know you know people arguing for fat rights and and she was calling them fat wrongs not not her phrasing that's what I'm calling them um and and it was very interesting to see this sort of uh backlash around her her garment because this image is obviously so loaded you've got these two models who are um supposedly you know Siamese because they're wearing the same top so we're supposed to imagine that their skin is connected somewhere underneath this <laughs> this um v-neck uh what's this called this it's a little of... polo tee polo yeah polo tee and then they're wearing these mini skirts that look like leather and one mm. of them is wearing the the rising sun the Japanese flag and the other one is wearing the union jack um this is a collection being shown in the UK and then they're wearing these like long um knee-high uh socks one in red and one in blue the primary kind of colors and it's saying something very particular about identity nationality and um and colonialism i think even like um like (laughs) looking at it and thinking about karl lagerfeld takes me to like a eugenics place it does (laughs) totally (laughs) and probably for Karl Lagerfeld, that's just because he was German and hated fat people. Yes. Um, but that's also what the flags are doing here, mm-hmm. and that's what the flags are doing connected to each other mm-hmm. as imperial powers, Japan mm-hmm. and the UK. Um, also, obviously, present is like, which like I don't even know how to dive into, but the like, the the sexual suggestion that happens when there's two sexy women next to each other about right. the. The I think potential you should. pleasure and the right. and the um, possibility for you know all all of those holes to be filled. Yes, yes. Um, and putting those two women next to each other does does something to people. And all of a sudden, sure. I started sure. to feel my panties drop. I, um, I totally agree, and I believe yeah that it has something to do with eugenics. We've got a black model standing next to a white model, um, and we're to imagine that they are you know one model. Mm. Um, but they're four slim people. <laughs> Well, that's what I wrote down. I was like, angel numbers. Well, it's yeah, so it's funny that it's four, it's, but it's two. It's four, but it's two. Two plus two equals four. Two plus two equals four. Two girls, one T, you know, two girls, four holes. Two four girls, four slim people. Yes. I I love it. I mean, it's like, it's funny because it's, it's yeah, it's obviously got this number, but it's suggesting something about, you know, what are the, what are the clothes? Numerology. Clo- <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> about numerology. Numerology, <laughs> angel numbers. It's, um, it's declaring its wearer. It's saying these, these clothes are for you or maybe they're not for you. And um, this is an endless conversation in fashion mm, about mm. who the clothes are for. Mm. And often, like, when we enter a sort of space of, like, body positivity in, in design even at that point where designers are now um, showing 
their collections with with fat models walking down the runway like there's still a conversation of like the um the intention or the uh the potential for those clothes to actually be worn by fat people and like is the is the designer doing what they can to dress um you know the masses i say masses quite deliberately um or are they just you know parading down the runway like a fat model in like a particularly stretchy garment that you know there's all that sort of debate about like the laziness of like plus size design mm. um and also the idea of like, like not even flattering to the models and exactly. like actually a bit humiliating maybe yeah i don't yeah it's it's a, like deeply like sticky and um troublesome kind of like vortex that these yes. clothes get like pulled into because yes. of the you know inherent associations and whatever with like the clothes and the bodies wearing them yes i don't know how to negotiate it and i think like but i love that she did it like mm. I, I think it's so um risky and um and kind of gauche and it's also you know yeah. clearly a response to like carl being the theme for the met gala and and the resurgence of like carl nostalgia and um mm. and i've never seen this this print before it's interesting yeah. that she found it in the archive. No, totally. I mean, well, maybe do you want to jump from there to Vogue World? Because those last three books were like... I don't know how else to bring up fucking Vogue World. Vogue, World, Vogue World is, as I said, a consciousness-raising event. Yeah, <laughs> Live, now what do you mean by that? Live stream event. Well, consciousness-raising, I think, <laughs> was like the things that like feminists did when they just like got together and they were like we're going to like raise awareness but also like lift each other up and empower each other in such a way that um might be like a little insular which i think is exactly what vogue world is doing um because it is uh this insular event that (laughs) that like uh it's like kind of a gala but not and kind of just like made for (laughs) hey and kind of just um, (laughs) made to be live streamed um but anyway, <coughs> yeah, Thanks. it's it's totally a consciousness raising event in that like, it's kind of got that feeling of like, is this a charity? Like, are we um, <coughs> are we are we raising money for something? What is the purpose of this? Like, obviously, uh, a normal fashion show just takes place because it's about a designer's output and the commercial potential to like, I don't know like send clothes to buyers and to have like retail take clothes all over the world and for people to buy it and for people to wear it that has a like that has a clear um story when we think of a fashion collection but this vogue world event it just sort of feels like that that episode of sex in the city where it's i think it's called got to be real or something (laughs) or the real me and carrie's walking in this like once again consciousness raising event where she's um she's They've got, like, models and non-models walking side by side, and they're all wearing clothes from, like, a different designer. And Margaret Cho, of course, is is, um, is stage managing the, the <laughs> fashion show, and you've got, like, Annie Leibovitz, and you've got, like, some old guy walking, also, and then like, you've got so Heidi Klum. funny that she was, like, looking at Annie Leibovitz and being like, oh, my God, she's so ugly, and I'm part of the ugly crew. <laughs> Yes, exactly. But anyway, that's kind of what Vogue World kind of did. and It's all um, like these celebrities kind of participating in 
what feels like a fashion show but is actually like a like a West End theatre show with some musical performances and and all of the clothes are from different designers and I can see there's like a there's like some live dressing and costume changes on the stage which are being documented on on Vogue Runway and you know it's all very vague and unexplained but basically the like last couple looks are, they look like they're pulled from the like Chanel archive or so. there's like one My Fair Lady dress yes and yes. famously FK Twigs performed and um, kissed Cara Delevingne in the middle of it yes <laughs> just as Madonna kissed Britney way back then no and of one course cared. at the end it's like sort of a trope of like these these events that they're trying to make happen they pull out Naomi Cindy Christy and Linda and they do this like victorious march of a, of you know grand proportions for like something that I don't know it's sort of like they just parade them out when they when they need to like make some sort of show stopping image and it every time it loses its um, its weight <laughs> and and we get to admire these like supposed supermodels from like a from like a golden age of fashion where I guess what this is saying to do with the nostalgia is that like things used to feel like they had a purpose and the models used to like exist in this other dimension and they um they were significant in a way that fashion is still trying to um replicate probably replicate and reconcile with and um yeah I guess Vogue is a little confused about where they belong and so they're saying we are the world and this is the this is the most provocative part of it you are the world baby um the most provocative aspect of the whole thing is that they call themselves Vogue world and um and I think that is I'm very interested to see where they go next I think actually the last season it was in New York so maybe it's going to do this kind of like almost Olympian thing where it, like, it does feel like, a, a, like an Olympian the Olympic route you know yes. of these um, cultural monolith type of cities these metropole type now of cities. imagine Vogue World in our, in our beautiful sex Sydney <laughs> models walking down the runway naked <laughs> I love to see it um, yeah it's it's so sad and weird but fun <laughs> yeah what was also so world was that um stefan cook collection yes totally um which we got to look at in light of some kind of like revelations that we had on the weekend yeah totally um and god it was it's great it's fantastic it's so great it's so exciting it's really lovely first of all i really enjoyed the collection mm-hmm. um and i think there was this uh what was the style not compost the style.com post about it uh, had a couple of uh, different comments, and one of them was hardcore craft, mm. um, which I think emphasizes something uh, nice and like flattering about the collection that it that it does have uh, a sense of achievement in its craft. I agree. Um, the first look that we've kind of picked out to talk about is look four, and it's this uh, caftan with this kind of sunburst embellishment um, mm. down from the kind of collarbones. Um, he's wearing these studded white leather loafers and carrying a bag, which I believe all the bags were like upcycled or something, which I don't know, that's nice, I guess. And <laughs> all of them are adorned with like a cat of nine tails. Oh no, a flogger, really. A flogger. And the flogger has these like very specific, like the colors in this collection are calling out to us that these are like 
the colors that we find in flags, I really feel. Mm. Um, and this to me is like, um, like saying some, some very global colors mm. we're looking at. Mm. Yeah. I made a note about this caftan that just said Gaddafi. And yes. I found a quote from him that where he said, whatever I wear becomes a fad. I wear a certain shirt and suddenly everyone is wearing it. Gaddafi said this? Yeah. He's so vanity project. <laughs> so vanity. And, and uh, in the context of wherever I had read it, it said, he considered himself a style icon, which I thought was <laughs> funny to use that kind of parlance in, in um, relation to um, Gaddafi's dress, as in like literally like the, the like Libyan leader. <laughs> um, because he was always wearing these kind of like Mother Africa type of designs. Um, that were like sometimes westernized but often not i I need to read that essay um yeah it's it's wonderful it's uh the kaftan is sort of almost like this blown up gingham as well Mm. um which says something about like leisure and um and and like picnicking and also comfort like um there's something really suggestive when i see models like very covered up or wearing something so loose-fitting as this, of course I'm thinking about free-balling. And, um, and, I, and I, liked, I like to think about free-balling. I do. Um, and I would like to think about this model, free-balling. I, I would, if I could confess. Um, <laughs> should we move on to the next one? Because I will talk about this all day. Um, this is, yeah, this next look where he's wearing this, like, incredible... What type of jacket is this? It feels like a military. I don't know the name of this type of I jacket. Don't know it's like um, it's like a, it has elements of it that are that are like trench, but um, mm. it's like a I don't know. It's like a stiff wool jacket with mm-hmm. a belt at the bottom, and the yeah. belt is kind of this twenties drop waist. Yeah, it's quite low. Um, and he's wearing a pair of white three quarter pants and these kind of very um, Dennis. So uh, Dennis. Shoes that are studded. The studded shoes are so hot. And the highlight of the outfit, of course, is this um, baseball cap with a sort of feather off it that is mm. like this, you know, vibrant red. To me, I had to look this up, but it like reminds me of a bicorn or tricorn hat, mm. which is a type of um, French military hat um, mm. that is sort of pompous and um, and reminds you of the the symbol of France which is the rooster mm. which then makes you think about like a showy little cock and um and how it wants to show off and this hat is obviously like very decorative and very showy to mm. to parade around in a in a baseball cap with a huge sort of rooster's plumage plumage um is to say look at me yes of course of course uh look at my cock what turns you on? And we've been thinking a lot about statement caps. Like, yes. Carmen was wearing this great cap on the weekend that said, it was a Sonic Youth one that said 100% dirty, which was so fratty. It has, like, the mesh back to it. And um, Drew got a great cap recently that says, Carl is my father. Yes. <laughs> and again, like, I had um, I had noted kind of similar hat references, like the Jacobin cap, the Liberty cap, the um which was also the symbol of like free men as in like non-slaves in republican mm. rome mm. and the francis bonnet rouge which is the 
synecdoche of the group um, that were also referred to as sans culotte, um, which I don't know. It's funny that he's wearing culottes as well. Yes, interesting. I don't know, and it's all kind of coming together to me under this kind of umbrella of uh, this Jacobin kind of character that mm. has these very considered uh, elements to to his dress. And I made some more kind of notes on the flogger here, which um, when I tried to kind of like look up the history of like a cat of nine tails or a flogger, the Wikipedia article, um, the, the bulk of the, the detail in that particular article is about actually the cessation of its use or its or its use in history. Okay, interesting. Particularly though, it like details exactly when it was like... Uh, ceased to be used in all of the British colonies and outposts as judicial corporal punishment and also how they were used kind of in the Navy. Interesting. Which maybe was a really widespread use of punishment on like naval ships. Um, And this to me as well related back to the kind of leather work and studying that we're seeing in the shoes. I think there's not only is the flag and these kind of symbols of colony outposts. Mm-hmm. I think it's also helpful to mention that um, they are black models in these two looks that we've yeah. been talking yeah. about, which is also, like, summoning this um, this idea about, like, the metropole and the outpost of the colony. Yes. But, um, yeah, I don't know where I was... Oh, yeah, the, the, the feeling in the of the motifs that allude to colony versus outpost is not just present through the flags as they represent uh, perhaps like nationality, Mm -hmm. but the flags as they also represent something in um, like naval use, Mm. um, which I think is, it it has a beautiful overlap with um, both like leather work and gay dressing. Yes. Yes. In in the way that they, um, they are uh, the, these flags or colors were used to uh, communicate something between people that yes. were literally like across seas and mm. at at a great distance. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the 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 stuff that you've brought about um, about the cat of nine tails and um, that motif is really interesting because it's not dissimilar to a sort of motif that we see um, all over leather bags in um in more kind of uh affordable or like I've, i feel like i've seen an oriton bag for example with a quite a, with like, a like downsized a yeah. version of this tassel <laughs> like a sort of fringe element or a tassel that's added um at the edge of like a zipper mm. and it's so interesting to see it um to see it blown up and then to imagine the kind of like um violent history or imagery or um what what it could suggest about um about leather and its materiality and its relationship to the to the model who wears it and carries it. Um, it's funny because, you know, at first you maybe don't look at it as, like, a weapon, mm. but it suggests something um, kind of defensive. And I think we do think about, like, bags and accessories as, as a symbol of defense. Mm. I think women are often using their handbag um, to either carry, um, you know, something that's going to protect them from danger... Um, at night or the bag itself can often be used to um, get rid of violent scary men on the street Um, I think all of that is being kind of carried here Mm. with this bag um, in ways that are 
really uh, well crafted, well thought through, intelligent, and um, also gorgeous. Mm. You know, and it's recycled leather, and it's a repurposed bag. Like usually, I would I would struggle with that. You know, <laughs> we did struggle with it last week. Um, we struggled with it last week. I also um, the reason I pulled this look is because I love the um, the proportions in a lot of the. Uh, garments and and particularly because I'm looking at like a, a menswear collection in the middle of um, what is mostly women's wear in the spring summer season I believe correct me if I'm wrong and Stephen Cook is a menswear designer and a lot of these kinds of proportions are really interesting to me because the hips are like the hip um, lines are really low and the waists are really high and, and I was saying this to you and Lev over the weekend that I feel like it suggests something about like wearing clothes that don't quite fit you mm. and um and it and that idea of like unisex dressing which brings us also back to clothes being for fat people it's like who are the clothes designed for and who is wearing the clothes um there can be a sort of rebellious um dimension to dressing which I think we've all encountered particularly as like queer subjects you are often shopping and dressing in a way that is rebelling from the original purpose of the clothes or or, um, the clothes weren't actually meant for you to wear them but you're going to wear them anyway because you want to express yourself and um and what I was loving about this collection is that there's something kind of misshapen about the men's um proportions and that the torso is becoming incredibly long or incredibly short and it just made me think of men wearing women's clothing which I've done Transgender and, life. Uh, um, battled with as a sort of you know key challenge in my life um, and what do you think it means for them to be carrying this bag with this accessory that's related to like kink and BDSM yeah well obviously we're thinking about like a man bag um, is a is an effeminate act it's a it's a bold gesture for a man to carry a bag because as we know menswear has pockets and um sometimes I do feel like I'm carrying around a bag as a decoration mm. which is kind of hilarious um <laughs> and I do think Pure that it's really exciting to make men's accessories men bags are they help they hold so much potential because um because we don't see them that often <laughs> yeah. what, what were you kind of I'm not sure that's not where you were prompting me to go no well um <laughs> you were thinking about BDSM again well, I thought you didn't know about BDSM. No, I don't. But I had a story to kind of tell. Oh, really? <laughs> um, but I probably told you this story before. Did I ever tell you about the time that I owned a leather flogger? No, you did not. <laughs> okay, so at the time I was like... Let me get my drink. I was also like... I was house-sitting for my dad in Zetland. And so it was your dad's vlogger. No. So <laughs> and my girlfriend at the time and I had like gone to Max Bike, of course, mm. to we had like just house sat for oh my god, this is crazy. We had just house sat for my nail lady. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I like remember wh- her well. Why we we found these or like got into her stuff in this way, but were mm. playing with her um what's it called? The one that's like the riding crop. We're playing with her riding crop. <laughs> very madonna and we were like well we should we should just bitch get into it and and get some you know gigs of our what own. turns you on and so we went out we bought a beautiful leather flogger 
um, from Max Black and we took it back to my dad's apartment to to use. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then when it came to pack up all of the stuff and ship myself out of my dad's apartment and I had to stay there to let her in from the airport. This was literally when she was coming back from Marbella from having FFS. Transgender life. Comes back from the airport. I can't wait to put the sound effects in. And um, and I'm like saying, oh, hi, how are you? How was it? Whatever, whatever. And then I say to her, um, just so you know, I've lost something in your room. <laughs> I can't find it. And if you ever find it, I need you to never, ever, ever speak to me about it. <laughs> <laughs> that is everything. And she knew exactly what I was talking Do you think about. She found it, or she had well, already found it. No, she hadn't already. She, like she, but just she knew it was an object of fetish. Yes, yes, yes. Somehow, I think she would have been comfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's everything. Isn't that great? You've been losing things left, right, and centre. Oh, I'm so bad. <laughs> also, like a flogger or like a riding crop. Wow. Yeah, it was wow. a flogger that I lost. The more yeah. I imagined the the flogger or the cat of nine tails, I um, the more I thought about a horse's tail. Mm. It really is like it all kind of conge con- coalesces, mm. um, and uh, congeals. Is that a What's word? What's congeal? Sorry? Yeah, congeal. Yeah, it all kind of congeals and, and forms this, like, really um, kinky and... Um, Honestly? Yeah. Pretty rolled. Uh, bright red and kind of dry and sort of um, ouchy type of image in my mind. And all of a sudden, <gasps> I started to feel my panties drop. About... About um, what remains, in the words of Caravan's <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking about what That's wild that you brought her up. Um, Hmm. Let's let's move on to the next look. (laughs) So now we're looking at look number 23. And this this one I think is really striking. This one's really good. Um, So this is a sort of t-shirt dress Mm. that a man is once again wearing. It's so beautiful. The way way that it flatters him is really quite special. And the the way that the drape happens across the chest and over the stomach and almost has like a peplum at the hips mm-hmm. is like very p- particular to like a male fit as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, but this one really struck us when we were looking at it on the weekend and actually felt like deeply entrenched in the motifs that we continue to see throughout the day yes. afterwards, um, which is that we went to Cabramatta afterwards. Yes, true. And... Um, didn't realize that you know all the roads were closed and and whatever for the moon festival and we walked past we thankfully found a park my god we parked and then we walked past this um i think it was like a buddhist temple Mm -hmm. um where there was like chanting happening and outside all of the like buddhist temples in the area were these um flags for the moon festival Mm -hmm. that all mirrored this like um it's like again the like the the flag colors <laughs> the colors that that the language of flags use yeah um which is this like i don't know what what did you have written down it was like i just basically um i wrote down all the countries that to me it signaled mm. as a starting point and i and i i said you know this is the jamaican flag this is the bolivian flag that this is the guyana flag Portugal and so many more and I was thinking about how yeah these colors they there's crossover and it's very like um 
it's very global to imagine a like the um the the way in which the colors suggest something bet- about the relationships between countries mm. um and and um and that like just even to see this shade of green is to like imagine a flag and my first image when i looked at this was that it was sort of like we were looking at the the underside of a flag mm. like the black lining or the black um back of a flag which i don't which even know it doesn't make sense because like make sense. the whole point of a flag is that it's to be seen from both sides and that it's so graphic exactly and it, it isn't it's almost like made out of lining fabric but it's not um and and i was imagining i was imagining it kind of like on the ground or like wrapped around someone's body in a way mm. it's like ruched in a way that it looks like Which it's is kind of sporty holding all this stuff together it's very when sporty at, when you're at the game um, and you're wearing your country or your team's flag or something yes exactly but, but, we but also... that those colors are kind of peeking through a mm. much more like like black is dominating the image you know mm. black is dominating the garment and and the image of the garment um, in a way that we're and only swallowing seeing, the flag. It's motif. swallowing it exactly. That's the word. In the kind of like um, Lev was describing it as like the UN tablecloth, which I thought was so fabulous. Totally a tablecloth because it is that sort of shitty tablecloth black. Um, it's funny that you bring up the UN because we didn't talk about it, but Mo Lola actually had the yes. UN flag. Yes. Um, on yes. one of those mini skirts. Yes. And it was yes. a broken UN flag, like <laughs> yes. E-Unify, yes. 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 It was E Unify, but it was also like you know, multiple of those yellow stars on the blue miniskirt, mm. the blue pleated miniskirt, were um, subtracted. Or um, obfuscated by the pleating. Yeah. And I think what was so central to the examples that we kind of, that you picked out um, and that we were drawn to by looking through these collections actually really did reflect something that um, that London contains, which is that... Yes. It is, yes. And that it is yes. the, like colonial metropole to all of these places that Stephen Cook is is kind of like I don't know referencing even like with the casting or or um flag motifs and colors of the collection for certain and it feels that that way when you go to the city it feels that way especially coming from Sydney which is an outpost in that this city was established as the periphery yes uh named after all of the same places of course which exist in london and mapped out in a similar way and enforced on this land a kind of like remapping of of the metropole which what makes london such an interesting city visiting from sydney and which i see mapped throughout these multiple collections that we're talking about do you see that too for certain yeah we like to joke that um, that Australia and, and Sydney, where we live, is the arse end of the world. And if and if Sydney and Australia, by extension, is the arse end of the world, then perhaps London and the UK could be the mouth. And everything is being kind of processed and digested and shitted out to us um, through these, like, images. Not to call these images shit or anything. Um, they're actually very high resolution. But absolutely, when we're thinking about um, multiculturalism, diversity and the the metropole the colonial kind of um i don't know the hub or, or the place where which everything is kind of dictated from which yes. also relates to the ideas i was trying to explore about the the flogger which is that yes and related to ideas that we've talked about on the pod before which is that there is a central location where um, something to do with like the transatlantic slave trade and the 
idea of the relationship between Western Europe and North Africa, as well as North America, and how actually these like countries in Western Europe played a role in in the communication between different continents. Yes, and, and how, the, of course, the like subjugation and whatever, which persists. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, that's why. That's why, for example, like this Wikipedia article about um, judicial corporal punishment records the cessation of using the flogger as corporal punishment kind of like backwards through each Mm. place that was you know granted independence from the colony Mm. because it is quite literally like a like a deprogramming and unlearning or a stepping away from rather than um the kind of idea of like that quite active um and visual strike that a flogger evokes instead to imagine it as something that's being held back and something that's suddenly being you know taken away is a really provocative <laughs> image because it's like a reversal mm. of um, of history in the way that it's dictated as a cessation. Um, I I totally get that and and I think um, yeah we're we're usually only encountering maybe this is a bit too much of a claim but we're usually encountering um, this idea of the metropole. Uh, or this idea of the melting pot, which, you know, cities like London and New York and Paris um, really like to like to um, claim as if it's not literally a part of a colonial history where... Mm. Um, where and a continued project even through these, like, fashion shows, for example, which I think exactly. is so funny and interesting. Exactly. And that um, they like to, you know, claim that melting pot, and the way that they claim that in fashion is through casting, And that's usually how we encounter the idea of, like, what models in London look like, which is also false because these models are, like, flying between these cities. And it is very, like, Vogue world. When you see models, you're looking at, like, Ukrainian girls and you're looking at Nigerian girls walking side by side. Whatever. I digress. But um, to imagine, like, collections like Moa Lola and Stephen Cook, which are, like, you know, um, facing this idea head on um, and as well as through through their casting and the idea of who the who the models are and what they look like the color of their skin their identities um, it's really it's really quite um, hard to ignore when you're uh, when you're looking totally. at the images and you're decoding so them actually like immediate in in these images and exciting as well totally exciting it's also what this dress is doing is it's speaking to a sort of history of um, like a prehistory of dress as well. Like we're looking right. at like a toga, you know, we're looking at the cascading of a fabric which is wrapped around the body in a way that it doesn't rely on seams. What I was thinking about when we were looking at the Siamese girls in Molola and what I forgot to say is that, um, that of course, clothing and fabric, its materiality, is always thinking about cutting. It's always thinking about being torn, being ripped. Have you been chopping it up? It's always thinking about that tear or that um, that assemblage, the stitching and then the tearing of material and its seams. Um, this material and this garment, it has seams, but it, you know, what our eye folds into is this kind of like cascading cup runneth over um, ruching, which builds. And we can really imagine that this little, you know, t-shirt mini dress was just a uh, you know, a big flag wrapped around this man's body in a in a quite artful style. Of course, mm. that's not true, but um, but I like to imagine garments without seams because I think it suggests something about uh, you know, uh, a time before sewing machines, manufacturing um, 
I don't know. Yeah. Techniques were um, developed and and uh, globalized, and and the industrial revolution changed the way that fashion looked forever. Blah blah blah. Um, I think this garment is saying all of that all at once, which is a lot of pressure for one mm, garment. Mm. And she does it well. And she does it well. Um, shall we move on? Yeah, let's go to J.W. Anderson. Let's do it. Which we um, love to roast. Me which too. I don't. I don't. I don't feel so harshly about this time. <laughs> yeah. Why don't I pretend to take a stance? Like I really hate this shit. <laughs> um, yeah, we we have a long history. For those of you who are um, uninitiated to our uh, fashion coverage, we have been talking, speaking ill of um, of J.W. Anderson for years now. We have been saying some of the most deeply incisive. Dare I say decisive, brave, brave, opinionated. Because what? Well, yeah, strongly what's strongly worded critiques? Strongly worded Anderson's critiques. What's been our What's been our general feeling? Is that um, um, that it's corny and insincere and mm. not actually all that clever and too self congratulatory and too um, too conceptual in a way that feels um, and also often not conceptual enough. Like again, I could make this critique of the Gumby clothes. Um, J.W. Anderson's invitations to the show were like a block of plasticine. Oh, yes, of course. course. Um, And the first look that we're looking at together is the grey plasticine hoodie with the white, um, like, Bermuda shorts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just reading this back for the first time, but whatever. Um, I put down, what is the use of stop motion in the society of the Mm. spectacle digital image era? This is the same idea of both doll's clothes and loose clothing under pantyhose mm. regarding Margiela, but exaggerated in the child in the style of a childlike sculptor. It's about the primariness of the form, which I think is what he's getting at. And primary is a good word for it because we're thinking about children. Exactly, and that's so present in a lot of his designs because it totally. is about kind of uh, reducing something to something that's quite simple, that's yes. very immediate and quite material. And I think the way that he would defend his own work, or um, maybe not defend because actually I think people quite like him, uh, is he would he would try to tell you that there's a childlike joy to the way that he designs clothing and that his, um, his garments are sort of uh, playful and, and non-serious, unserious, um, and that that's all about materiality because what he's doing a lot these days both at his namesake label and at Loewe is playing with form and materiality and making garments that look like they're made from something that they are not. Um, I don't know if this is Play-Doh, but it does look like Play-Doh, and it's a, it's 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 um it's nice to imagine how Play-Doh sits on the skin. Obviously, we're looking at these pair of like little shorts that are, um, they're sort of sticking out from this guy's like tiny little hips and waist. In a way that's really fun. Um, I like to see J.W. Anderson's collections in motion because I think the image is obviously um, taking some of the dimension of uh, of the materiality away from us, which mm. I think is so important to how we understand his clothes and the garments and how they move on the body. Um, mm. this which looks... I think is, is what we've not enjoyed about the, it in the past, which is that... Um, this kind of like optical illusion way of thinking can mm. um, kind of rub you the wrong way because it, it rub does... Rub the right way, please. It does seem kind of, um, again, insincere. Yeah. Um, and yeah. having to see it in the kind of video form 
is it is it all that useful is it i don't know what does it do to us i guess is my question yeah um but let's talk about the which i think were hugely successful as well the bomber jackets with the ostrich uh, sorry the chicken feathers totally again pluming 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 yeah i i um i'll just describe it so there are some bomber jackets some of them are sleeveless they almost sit like rick bombers um and what is immediately kind of uh um where virtue is placed is on these um sleeve lines and uh through kind of all this plumage is sort of like spilling out um being unstuffed if you will we're 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 led to imagine that these bomber jackets are down and that they're down filled and that they're filled with feathers so the garments are speaking to their their own materiality and the kind of um the i believe it's called ma the idea of negative space um in the garment which takes place and the idea that um warmth or um or comfort or uh function can be brought to us through um through stuffing through um adding volume to the clothing and i guess it was charles james who did that the first time with the with the down jacket which he invented and the down jacket is meant to sort of endure really harsh climate um and it's something that we now see um everywhere literally everywhere we see the influence of that and there's something beautiful about the materiality in the simplicity of it being both synthetic and organic yes and i think like the fact that the outside is synthetic and Mm -hmm. conceals something inside which is organic which is taken from an animal which you know i'm sure is like harvested in in kind of like ways that we might find like object i think it's beautiful that that is what's um revealed here what's married yeah and um i think also like speaks to a sense of the abject and objection because it does look like she's been violated in some way the jacket looks like it's been slashed and that's why the plumage is falling out of these seam lines yes exactly we are being invited to think about the insides um she is like the other three models who are wearing these same uh sleeveless down bomber jackets that uh sit below their hips and are worn as dresses we're being invited to think of something violent happening to the jacket but also something violent happening to the model the insideness of um her body is being suggested um through that kind of uh bursting out or spilling out of the feathers and it's sort of got this like build-a-bear type of um Mm. quality to it where we're also in this way that the primary aspect of jw anderson where we're thinking about child's play and we're thinking about um play-doh and and toys and 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 barbie clothes and dresses in dress in this kind of way where it's all about like poly pocket and, poly pocket and, and the proportions of clothes sort of not working um we're also being invited to think about the stuffing and it's um and its role mm. I, which i you know i'm thinking also about um pillow stuffing pillow princess biblically accurate angel and uh-huh. how like even the form of like this biblically accurate angel which we again uh, sense something like abject and, and mm. you know horrific about yeah. um, is reflected sort of. through this same process that suggests violence that suggests yeah. insideness. Yeah. Uh, what What is the term for that? Like a, uh, I think it's an FK twigs thing, like a tormented angel or something, a fallen angel. Fallen angel. Yeah. Yeah. Which... It's really it's really quite a provocative idea. Um, 
even like <laughs> not to take it to this place even like an almost um psychedelic one or a surreal one at the surreal. very least which is the word that i think i rebuke as a sort of jw anderson continues to be like described as a surrealist mm. i um i think that's giving him like so much credit uh the final look that I um yes, why did you pick this one to talk about? I think it's just look like twenty two. So deep, yeah. Look twenty two, and there are a few looks like this. It's just so deeply funny to me. It's got this kind of um, it's like a. Is it called a hoop skirt? Mm. Like um, we sort of imagine that like uh, uh retro futuristic Hubble, Hubble skirt as well. Hubble skirt, interesting. Mm. I'm thinking about the retro futuristic um like. <laughs> Metal metal hoop that's Judy like Jetson the hooker. Judy Jetson hooker hoop that's put at the seam, and you see, you know, you see that in um in kind of some less pantomime stage costume. Exactly, lowbrow. Um, this it's lowbrow. This is highbrow because the the hoop is actually up high. There's a and sort of hula of hoop which is it. framed um <laughs> sort of jutting forward from mm. the model's uh, upper thigh and actually reaching out over her over her hips and over it is sort of this um series of different i would imagine jersey cotton mm, mm. garments that are stretch o- stretched over the hoop mm. and sort of just hanging over it loosely in a way that it looks like clothes drying on a rack that's um, the thing that he does as well in this collection and with a lot of his work is he's playing with really um uh uh, materials of um, as you described it before the globalised uh, fashion kind of like in garment industry mm. like using the um, the bomber jacket and the um, even like the plastic plasticini stuff mm. and here the jerseys which to me the only note I made about it was that it looks like doing your laundry in an apartment because you're <laughs> exactly <laughs> all these t-shirts that are you know hung over something stupid which is very Carrie Bradshaw because it suggests something about luxury and, and the idea that people wearing luxury garments probably live in apartments because they live in cultural metropoles where people are overstuffed, see also plumbing, plum, plumage and plumbing. Um, mm. and, and we're led to believe that, you know, the people that are buying J.W. Anderson uh, can't afford to live in a nice spacious house where they have a, a Hills hoist or a... Or a or even a dryer, a washer dryer set. You know what I mean? Um, and that's sort of speaking to the, to the dream of of luxury and and to the idea of um, personal space. And this is all about personal space. It's all about the personal space down in the crotch, and the sort of boner that these these women are hiding under their big hoop skirt. It's fucking hideous. Not the boner. <laughs> no, never that. Never that. Um, and that's what I wanted to say about that. <laughs> Well, thank you, sir. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for the boner, sir. Um, we just hit one hour. Mm, should we seal it with a loving kiss? Should we Should we seal J.W. Anderson's lips with a loving kiss? Mm. I'm kissing my phone. Mwah. 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 <laughs> oh, J.W. What does J.W. Jonathan? Jonathan what? Jonathan what? Anderson. It's going to be a fun